Okay, now we are uh, up to the Chittimatra system, which is probably the most complicated of the systems. But that doesn't mean that it can't be understood. Uh, according to the Chittimatras, and now we are in the realm of Mahayana uh, systems, Dadashika and Sautranska are Hinayana systems. Uh, according to Chittimatra, a person's coarse and subtle selflessness are the same as is asserted in Sautranska. So we don't have to go over that again. In uh, Chittimatra, we differentiate three different types of uh, phenomena. We have dependent phenomena, sometimes it's translated as other-powered. These refer to non-static phenomena, things that arise from causes and conditions, produce effects, and change moment to moment. Then we have thoroughly established phenomena, which according to Tsongkhapa's uh, interpretation of Chittimatra refers only to the various types of voidness or selflessness asserted in Chittimatra. Voidness is a static phenomenon. It doesn't change, doesn't do anything, but it's thoroughly established. It's what an Arya can perceive non-conceptually. And then we have totally conceptional phenomena that uh, only uh, exist in conceptual cognition, and this is referring to all other static phenomenon other than voidness, and also non-existent phenomenon. They include them there as well. And there are different valid and invalid ways of uh, establishing the existence for each of these. It's rather complicated, but uh, we won't deal with all of that because that's really very, very complex, requires quite a bit of time. Rather, we'll deal only with dependent phenomenon, which includes persons. Remember, persons do things as an imputation on the aggregates. But uh, since we are noting which are the unique assertions of Tsongkhapa, his way of asserting uh, these, which phenomenon fit into these uh, categories, specifically about thoroughly established uh, phenomenon, and his way of uh, asserting the type of existence and, and the, type, the voidnesses of uh, each of these, that's also quite unique. Some uh, shared with others, but many points unique. So remember, Sautrantika asserted that non-static phenomenon have objective reality. They exist externally, out there. That means that they exist objectively the moment before we see them or cognize them or think about them. They don't exist merely in the cognition of them, but they have what's called truly established existence, and that's established by the fact that they perform a function. They do something. You should note that the different tenet systems will define truly established existence, or sometimes it's just called true existence, differently. And some of them say that there is such a thing, and some say that there is no such thing. Now, Chittimatra comes along, and they say, how can you prove that something exists the moment before, any, before you see, the, see it or think of it or talk about it? How can you prove that? You can't. I mean, you can have a camera, but even that is only no, and it took a picture of it before you came in the room. But uh, even that is established in terms of it appearing in a, in a photograph. You can't, how do you establish that it was there before? How do you know that there's food in your refrigerator? 
without opening the door or without remembering that you, put, that you bought food and put it in there. No way to establish that. And there's no way to establish the external existence of the component, the elements, the earth, water, etc., of the object as the natal source. You know, in other words, what does the object come from? Natal sources like the oven out of which the bread comes. Sometimes it's also the elements that make up the thing, but it's not always that. But the main point is, you know, what it comes out of, that it's produced from. That's the natal source. So the only way that we can establish that uh, anything uh, exists, dependent phenomenon we're talking about, things that change like, uh, you know, bread in the refrigerator or milk, is the... Uh, The karmic seed, it's called, or tendency, out of which that cognition comes. Remember, what we uh, explained in terms of basic cognition theory. I only mentioned it very briefly before. Uh, when we cognize something, uh, we're talking about sensory cognition, when we see something, the uh, Sautrantikas say the first moment in... Vaibhashika says this too. The first moment, there's the external object, and then in our cognition, there's a mental hologram that's usually just re, uh, literally translated as an aspect of the object. But uh, uh, if you analyze and see what are they talking about, it's talking about a mental hologram that arises in our cognition. So in uh, Sautrantika, you would say that the source of that mental hologram where it came from, the oven, was from that external object. Science would say that as well. You know, the light from the object came into the eyes and was, you know, uh, transmitted through neurons and uh, chemical uh, impulses and electric impulses, and then somehow it transformed into a mental hologram, which is our experiential uh, way of, under of what actually occurs. That's what we experience, what it seems like. And then, in that cognition, that moment of experience, there are many parts. So there's a type of consciousness, you know, visual consciousness, and that arises because of a karmic seed for, be, for meeting this object and seeing it. And then each of the mental factors that accompany this uh, seeing of the object like attention and interest and uh, feeling happy and uh, um, attachment or love. Each of them come from their own seed, their own tendency. You know, I have a tendency uh, for concentrating very poorly. So very poor concentration comes. So I have a tendency to have a lot of attachment. So strong attachment comes in that moment. Each tendency has different strengths for each of the different ingredients in that cognition. This is Sautrantika. Vaibhashika would agree as well. Sautrantika division of Svatantrika and Prasangika would also agree. You got that? I hope so. Right. Svatantrika, <laughs> Madhyamaka is divided into Svatantrika right. and Prasangika. Uh, this is the Tsongkhapa's way of dividing it. 
and Svatantrika is divided into uh, Yogacara Svatantrika and uh, Sautrantika Svatantrika. The Sautrantika Svatantrikas and the Prasangikas accept it the same way. Just so that I don't have to repeat this later when we talk about Svatantrika and, and Prasangika. So, <laughs> in other words, everybody accepts it this way, except Chittamatra and the Yogacara Svatantrikas. Yogacara uh, is another name for Chittamatra. What about Prasangika? Hmm? What about Prasangika? Prasangika accepts like Sautrantika and Vaibhashika. All okay. these different components come from different natal sources. Okay. It's not that complicated. You know, we have four systems. One of them has three divisions. So there's seven. Out of the seven, five accept it this way. Forget about the names. Right? It's a majority opinion. And it makes sense. But Chinamatra and this other division, uh, Yogacara Svatantrika, let's just leave it. Chinamatra says that the whole package comes from one karmic seed. It's not that the individual components come from their own karmic seeds. And not only do all the components from the you know, side of, of cognition, you know, consciousness and the mental factors, but also from that same karmic seed is the mental hologram. That's the source of the mental hologram. It's not coming from you know, an external object that existed a moment before I saw it. That hologram is also coming from the karmic seed. That makes sense, too. And Chittamatra asserts a foundation consciousness, Alaya Vijnana, which is uh, the basis for imputation of all the karmic seeds. So the Alaya Vijnana is there as well in each moment. right? So that's in each moment. There's a moment of Alaya Vijnana, sort of projecting all of this stuff. And you remember the Alaya Vijnana has the defining characteristic of a person as well. So there's a person there, too. I'm seeing it. So everything in that cognition that changes from moment to moment is coming from in one package out of that one karmic tendency, that one karmic seed. This is Chittamatra's view. And the coarse selflessness of all phenomenon or voidness of all phenomenon is discussed in terms of this point. It's impossible to prove the existence of any, any dependent phenomenon, you know, thing that, that changes. It's impossible to establish in that cognition that the mental hologram comes from an external ex uh, natal source and all the uh, so-called mental phenomenon are coming from a different karmic source, a different source, natal source, the karmic seed. It's impossible to prove that because you can't prove that there's something exists the moment before I see it. You follow that. You can't possibly prove that something exists the moment before you see it. So in that moment of seeing, it can't, you can't prove that the mental hologram came from an external source, an external natal source, Why different from the natal source from which the consciousness and the mental factors and the person came. So the way that it's formulated is that the dependent phenomenon that appear in non-conceptual cognition, you're seeing them, are devoid of being established as coming from a different native source 
than the uh, consciousness and mental factors with which it's perceived. So that's sometimes called voidness of duality, that they don't come from two different sources. Dualism is uh, uh, explained, I mean, it refers to many, many different things. This is one of the things that dualism refers to, is the mental hologram and the ways of being aware of it come from two different natal sources, two different ovens that they come out of. And we have a true aspectarian and a false aspectarian version of this, as was the case with uh, Sautrantika. Tsongkhapa favors the true aspectarian version of it, and the uh, majority of the masters, I don't know if it was absolutely everybody, but the ones that he was referring to uh, accepted the false aspectarian version of it. So Tsongkhapa, the true aspectarian, is that that mental hologram that you see is not just uh, colored shapes, but it also is a body and it also is a person. That's what the hologram is of. It's of ordinary objects, whole objects. The false aspectarian said that you only see colored shapes and it is a conceptual mental synthesis that would occur in the next moment, a conceptual cognition that, that then you have a hologram of a body and a person. So that's, part, that's a conceptual process. That's the false aspectarian. You don't actually see a body and a person. You only see colored shapes. Or the more radical one is you only see pixels. So now it becomes very interesting when you start working with this. Flowers that are here on the stage. The mental hologram that arises when I look at them and the mental hologram that arises when any of you look at them, each of them are different because we're looking at it from a different angle and a different distance. And maybe you have your glasses on or you don't have your glasses on. That's another variable. Now there's a whole <laughs> uh, debate over whether there is a common locus, it's called, of what we're all seeing. Are we all seeing the same thing? Is there something that we're all seeing from a different angle or not? It's a big debate. Okay. How do you account for the fact, I'm sorry, how do you account for the fact that we all are uh, experiencing a mental hologram of flowers arising? And Tsongkhapa asserts that uh, you can't actually say that there is a common locus, in other words, an actual flowers that we're all seeing from a different angle because that would imply that it's external. E so you can mm -hmm. only explain it in terms of what's called shared karma, shared karmic seeds. Well, that's very relevant, not just in terms of are we all looking at the same flowers, but uh, if there's a problem that arises in the family, how it appears to each member of the family is quite different. So is there just one objective problem or it does each, you know, the mother's version of it and the father's version of it and the children's version of it, are they all valid? This is an application of it and is used very much in family therapy. So it's helpful to think about, in our own examples, to think about uh, just because the mental hologram that arises 
of a pimple on our face is prominent when we look in a mirror and it seems to have come from an externally existent pimple that doesn't prove that what we see as prominent, others see as prominent. We think like that, this incorrect way. I see, you know, I look in the mirror and I see a pimple and they think, oh my God, everybody is looking at me and everybody's going to see that pimple on my face. One, A, most people don't care, they're not looking at us. And two, even if they look at us, they might not notice it. Right? We think whatever appears to us is going to appear exactly the same to everybody else because it is objective reality. But in fact, everybody <laughs> sees something different. Uh, and because they pay attention, you know, in um, different ways, you know, they don't pay attention to, to me. We think we're the center of the universe. Everybody's looking at us. Nobody's looking at us. Nobody cares. We think we're so important that everybody cares what we look like. Oh, my hair, you know, everybody's looking at me, judging me. So this helps us to overcome the disturbing emotions, you know, the stress and so on. I have to get my hair exactly right and the makeup and so on that uh, uh, we have and the destructive, the obsessive, compulsive behavior of always checking what we look like because everybody is judging us, looking at us. It was very helpful, this Chittimatra view. What appears prominent and important to me, to other people, not going to appear like that. And the most important understanding underneath that is nobody cares. We think that everybody cares how my hair looks. Who cares? It makes us feel better to have our hair nicely styled fine. But that's not the most important thing about us that everybody is judging us by. And after all, I can't see my hair unless I look in the mirror. So how do I even know what my hair looks like? <laughs> so, as I say, you can have fun with this. Okay, this is the easy one. <laughs> the yeah, core selflessness of all phenomenon in Sautrantika, uh, I'm sorry, in Chittimatra. Now, mm. Tsongkhapa's unique assertion is a subtle selflessness of all phenomenon. And this is not so easy. Remember, we had from Sautrantika already Existence established by a defining characteristic mark, by the barcode. And recall that more fully it's defined two parts in the definition. This existence of an object being established by the power of its defining characteristic mark, point one. And part two is, and not established merely by the power of its being the referent object of the mental labeling with categories and designation with words. So put it in simple words, it's established by this and not merely by that. So this can be understood or satisfied in two ways. It is established by this alone by itself and not at all by that, right? Not at all by that means not merely, it's the same as not merely by that. Or it can be by the power of this together with the power of that. And that's still not merely by that because it's together with this, right? In other words, not merely by that 
in other words, by mental labeling, etc., means either not together with that at all or together with it. Both mean not merely by that. You follow that? This is very subtle uh, logic, but is the essence of the difference between Chittamatra, Svatantrika, and Prasangika in terms of uh, mental labeling. So, defining characteristic mark, we're talking about two different possible powers that it has. First one is the power to establish something as a validly knowable object. It's a thing. It encases it in, it, it is as if it encased it in plastic and made it into a thing, an individual thing, like a ping pong ball. There it is. And the second power that an individual defining characteristic would have is that it has the power to establish that it belongs to this category and that it uh, is fitting to be called by this name. So, Sautrantika said that uh, the defining characteristic on the side of the object, remember we had this uh, strawberry, had the power to do both. It establishes that it's a thing and it establishes that it fits in the category that's called strawberries. And it does it all by itself, independently of whether, you know, somebody labels it as being fitting in this bin, you know, whether somebody actually puts it in the bin and whether somebody actually calls it a strawberry. Doesn't matter. That's Sautrantika. Chittamatra says, well, yes, it, uh, that defining characteristic does have the power to make it into a knowable thing, a validly knowable object. It establishes it, it, it encases it in plastic. It makes it a thing, no. an individual thing, I'm sorry. But it doesn't have the power at all to establish that it fits in this or that category and that it is the uh, appropriate basis for being called this or that name. It doesn't have that. That is by mental labeling alone. So this is referring to dependent phenomenon, the mental hologram of the mental of a dependent phenomenon that arises in conceptual cognition. It's very important to understand that the two types of voidness of dependent phenomenon is talking about two situations, two different situations. When I see you. that mental hologram of the body and you that appears is not coming from a separate external source from the mental, you know, the consciousness and the mental factors that are part of that cognition. Right? That's in non-conceptual cognition when I see you. That's the coarse voidness of the cell, of dependent phenomenon. Right? So I'm seeing just a mental hologram of a red bump on my face. Okay, And that mental hologram is coming from that karmic seed that you know, gave me the impulse to look at myself in the mirror and to notice it. Okay, 
We haven't labeled it anything. We haven't called it anything. That's, that is the mental hologram that appears in seeing. And the individual defining characteristic on the side of that red bump made it into a thing that we were able to distinguish from the rest of our face. So it's as if it drew a big line around that red bump and made it into a thing, so it looked so prominent to me. Next moment, I think about it. Now we're in the realm of conceptual cognition. We're fitting things into categories. We're labeling it with categories and giving names, words to it. So there's still a mental hologram of the red bump that appears. Well, now, now we're thinking something about it. And its defining characteristic is still making it, putting a big red line around it, making it into a thing. But Chinamatra says it doesn't have the power to establish that it fits into whatever categories I label onto it and as the being meaning of any of the words that I call it. In other words, that's purely optional. The categories that we fit into it, fit it into, and the words that we call it. They are established as fitting into the categories and as being the meaning of the words purely by the power of mental labeling and designation alone. So that characteristic that puts a line around this red bump doesn't have the power to make it into a pimple and with all the negative connotations that we have. With pimple, oh, it's terrible, and nobody will like it, and it makes me ugly. And the category of ugly object, and the category of disaster, you know, my complexion, and all of that. All the characteristic is doing is putting a line around it and making it a thing. But what we call it, what category we fit it into, we could just fit it into a red bump on my face that probably nobody else will notice. But if we fit it into the category of pimple, this horrible thing that, that is, is, oh, you know, we really, we hate it, then we have a lot of distress, don't we? A lot of problems. So this understanding is very helpful. It's become very, very helpful. Consider, you know, ourselves, me as a person, right? Finding characteristic of me as a person makes me actual into, into a thing. I'm a person. Me, big line around it. But a stupid person, a crippled person, a smart person, uh, all of these things, that's just, you know, what category people fit me into. And I fit myself into. I don't necessarily, you know, it's not Sautrantica that says that I really have the defining characteristic that truly makes me a stupid person or an ugly person. It's all in terms of, you know, you're stupid or ugly person, because each individual fits you into their own concepts. Nothing on the side of me that makes me fit into this concept. That's optional. So that's their problem and my problem in having to deal with them. But I'm not, I can't, tr I'm not truly, it's not real. It's not for real. It's just concept. Think about it. 
I think I'm an idiot. I think I'm not good enough. Or somebody else thinks that. Does that really make me into an idiot just because I think I'm one? This is what this is talking about. Just because I think that doesn't make it real, doesn't make it true. I just fit into the category of, you know, a, a loser, an idiot, by the power of that category itself, not by the power of me, something in me. This happens all the time in discussions with people. The problem happens all the time in discussions with people. I'm sorry. I say something to you. Um, your shirt is dirty. I'm saying it. I fit it into the category of something helpful that, you know, you want to change your shirt. You fit it into the category of an insult. That happens all the time. We say something very innocent. We had no motivation whatsoever to insult the person, and the other person puts it into the category of an insult. You don't love me. And they get angry. All the time that happens. All that I said were words. Objectively, that's all it was, was the sound of words. Isn't it? What category we fit into it, that's fitted into, that's optional what we call it. And each person, it fits into this thing of not coming from an external source. Doesn't it? That the category is not coming from an external source. So, Tsongkhapa emphasizes, he's very unique in asserting the subtle selflessness of all phenomenon. The others don't assert this. And he says that Shravakas uh, focus primarily on or only on the coarse and subtle selflessness of persons. Pratyeka Buddhas focus primarily on uh, that uh, the hologram that arises in perception and seeing is not coming from a separate, not coming from out there, a separate natal source. And the bodhisattvas are focusing on this subtle selflessness that there's nothing that the defining characteristic of the dependent arising phenomenon that appears, you know, as a mental hologram in our conceptual cognition doesn't have the power to fit it into the category or word in that conceptual cognition. When you say it in the technical words, it's quite difficult to understand. If you explain it, you can understand it. But that's what they, the bodhisattvas focus on, the subtle selflessness of all phenomenon. And if you understand that, as a bodhisattva, you've understood that the mental hologram doesn't come from an external source, and you've understood that the person that's an imputation on it <laughs> can't be known by itself and isn't, uh, can't exist as a static, partless, independently existing Atman. If you understand the most subtle one, you've understood all the others, because the, all the others fit consistently with that understanding that you really have to work with to understand what I just said, that point. That concludes our presentation of Chittamatra. And we have seen that uh, uh, each of its uh, uh, insights are actually very practical and very helpful, and they are correct. It's not that uh, they're stupid. Thank they you aren't beneficial. So it's very worthwhile to spend a lot of time progressively with each of these tenant systems and to really get the insights that we developed from each of them. They're very helpful, one 
built on the next. It's not one built on the next, I'm sorry. It's one built on the pre preceding one. So we'll end here with the dedication. We think whatever understanding, whatever positive forces come from this, may go deeper and deeper and act as a cause for everyone to reach the enlightened state of a Buddha for the benefit of all. And tomorrow we'll cover Spatantrika and Prasangika in the morning and in the afternoon. Then we will uh, uh, speak about uh, the unique aspects of uh, Tsongkhapa's presentation of Prasangika. Thank you. <laughs>